Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond, the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, what's going on, sir? Not too much, JB. I'm excited to talk uh, cinema, film, movies, arts, whatever you want to call it, with you this week. We've got another big film to release this week, but um, but it's been, I've, uh, I'm on the way up. I've been ill. For the last week, I'm sure I'll mention why later on. But uh, I'm on the I'm on the men now, my friend. But nothing can make the heart feel better. Nothing can soothe the ailments more than the bamp and a chat with John Burke. So, my friend, how are you? Are you keeping Florida safe? Doing what I can, you know, uh, teaching people about film uh, and all of the cool things that are associated with it. Just running my mouth nonstop, talking movies. Um, been playing a lot of video games, though, in my free time, and I'll talk about that and what we've been uh, consuming later. But, nice. you know, um, staying, staying healthy and uh, watching the world kind of spiral around me, um, hearing crazy things, you know, there's wars starting, and then oh, there's man. illnesses are apparently gone, but not gone, and depending on which state you live in. Like, it's all over the place. Um, this just could be the last ever episode of The Bamp. Yeah. I mean, we hope not, but yeah, who, who knows? Uh I think people will need movie related podcasts in the future. Uh, if you're listening to this from like, I don't know, the year 3000, you found this on an old device. Hey, how's it going? Hey. I hope it's better. Um, <laughs> hope we, we solved global warming and, uh, the pandemic ended, you know, and the, the world war three wasn't that bad. Who knows? Um, but listeners in the now, if you're listening right now in 2022, we're here to talk about a movie that's burning up the charts actually did pretty well at the box office and i'm i'm so curious i have no idea matt how you felt about this film but we're talking uncharted uh not uncharted different movie <laughs> uncharted directed by the one the only ruben fleischer who i'm i love Zombieland, like and that's really what i know him for and in mm-hmm. my head that means he must be a great director because Zombieland is just so much fun oh, that's so fun, yeah um, I think it's really good. I think there's a lot of good in Zombieland. But then, like, he did Venom. And uh, I think Venom's severely yes. overrated. And then he, he did didn't Gangster do the sequel, Squad. did he? He did not. Uh, uh, Andy no. Serkis did the sequel to Venom. Of course, yes. Um, Poor Andy. Uh, Gangster Squad, which I've not seen, but is notoriously a terrible uh, movie. See, I, um, I have seen that. That was one of, that was one of my um, five DVDs for £20 way back in uh, the day. Um, I... I remember when when I watched it, I remember being underwhelmed by it in about 2014, maybe 2013 when it came out. I don't don't ever remember it being terrible, but it is during a rewatch for me because of the the, the cast. The cast in it is fabulous, but I don't remember it being awful, but I I haven't seen it for about eight or nine years. And then he did 30 minutes or less, which I found very funny. It's very messed up. It's, it's very dark, but I, I enjoyed that movie when I saw it back then. So his, his comedy sensibilities have worked for me in the past. Mm-hmm. And even Venom, I found Tom Hardy's performance to be quite funny and entertaining. There's a lot of stuff in the movie I don't like. I and think somehow, the bad, yeah. the film's <laughs> bad. How do you have Riz Ahmed and it's like the most forgettable villain? Like well, Riz Ahmed is not the fault of that. You know what, what it did? It made, it gave us to Riz Ahmed we know now because Riz Ahmed. He gave an interview a couple of years ago before um, Sound of Metal came out. And he said, you know, he enjoyed working on things like Rogue One and Venom. But it also gave him, a bit, by working on those big bustling kind of CG-led explosion, explosion films, it gave him a deeper appreciation and 
desire to explore. This sounds awful, but he didn't say this isn't me quoting. This is paraphrasing, but you know, actual cinema, like smaller, more emotive films, like Sound of Metal, like Mogul Mowgli, and things like that. So, yes. because of his performance in Venom, basically, it pushed him into a different direction. So, uh, it consciously pushed himself that way, and now we're getting Amazing fantastic stuff. work all yeah. the time. Especially that short film you sent me the other day. Yeah, Wonderful. Um, talk about that media consumption even. But, wrong, um, dude. Uh, Uncharted is a video game franchise. Um, they've been talking about making this into a movie for years because the games themselves very much feel like movies. I have played 1, 2, and 4. I'm pretty sure I played 3, but I feel like I maybe didn't beat 3. I beat 1, 2, and 4. Uh, those mm-hmm. are all Sony exclusives. But Naughty Dog, one of the best video game companies. I mean, they've done um, the, oh man, my brain, uh, Last, Last of, of Us. Us which I love both of those games and I am a huge fan of the Uncharted series and they had done some other stuff. Um, but those are the ones that I'm closely attached to. And apparently they're it's cinematic universe because we're getting the last of us TV show on HBO max at some point in the next year. Um, but this, they've been trying to make this for a long time. Fans had fan cast Nathan Fillion as Nathan Drake. Uh, yeah. he, it would have been perfect 10, 20 years ago. Um, so he's a long time fan film, wasn't he? Yes, he is. And then uh, Wahlberg was a, an early cast also that people wanted, but he's just too old to be him, so they cast him as a sidekick here. But uh, the script for Uncharted, the movie, is written by uh, Rafe Judkins and Art Markham and Matt Holloway. I'm sure they all didn't collaborate. They probably wrote different versions of the script. I don't know for sure. But given three three writers on a uh, video game movie, not uncommon. Uh, the film stars Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg, Antonio Banderas. Yes, yeah. That happens. Uh, Sophia Ali, uh, Tati, I don't know if it's Tati or Tati, uh, Gabriel, probably Tati, and mm. Stephen Waddington are the group. You have a better, what is it? How bad was no, it? No, no, I was, was, I was thinking, no, I think you might be right there, I think. Um, the synopsis, street smart Nathan Drake is recruited by seasoned treasure hunter Victor Sully Sullivan to recover a fortune amassed by Fernadad Magellan and lost 500 years ago by the House of Moncada. Uh, it has currently, or at least when I did this, a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 47 Metascore. So, underwhelming um, numbers That's there. Rough. 6.7 IMDb user score and a 3 on Letterboxd. Um, just on the dot, 3. Uh, it's currently only in theatrical run. Now, I, again, was a big fan of these games. Matt, how did, did you ever play these games? Because I know you are a Sony guy. You have a PlayStation. I have a PlayStation. I've only ever had a PlayStation, but... I've never played the Uncharted games. They were, they either passed me by or majority came out in the, in the black period when I didn't have a console and I just didn't play games. And, um, but I know the legacy of the games. I know that, uh, number four is apparently bonkers good. And I know how big these games are. I know the stories are great. The characters are great. So I I know that the, and I also, I'm fully aware of how many, how long people have wanted this, to be put yeah. on the big screen. So I know it came with an awful lot of anticipation. However, I was lucky enough to go in without any of that baggage. Yeah. Now, but you might have other baggage, right? Because I yeah. am a big Tom Holland fan. Um, despite many of his non Spider-Man movies have not been good. I don't feel like he has been the problem in them. I didn't see all of them. I haven't seen uh, the chaos walking. Um, He's fine in that. I, I, I didn't dislike him in Cherry. I just found Cherry to be not good sure. overall. But he was fantastic in Devil all the time. Mm-hmm. And I am a big fan of him as Spider-Man. 
Um, I also, I kind of have a soft spot for Mark Wahlberg. Um, <laughs> I have liked him. I, I like his persona. Um, sometimes he's really, really great. Like, I think in The Departed, he gives a tremendous performance. But mm-hmm. I first remember him in The Big Hit. Um, I really liked that movie. I saw it as a kid at, like, our local, like, small dollar theater. And I had so much fun with The Big Hit. Like, it was just a wild action movie. I thought it was silly and goofy. And, and um, it's a movie a lot of people don't seem to even know exists. But I really took to when I was a kid. Um, and pretty much from that moment, I was like kind of a fan of Wahlberg. I, I found him uh, funny and sometimes it doesn't work. And he's definitely done movies that I don't enjoy, but the ones that do work really like work for me. I, I love the other guys with Will Ferrell. Um, Boogie nice. Boogie. Oh, of course. Yeah. He's, uh, for he's sure. great. And he is undeniably very, very good in that film. In fact, a lot of times when he works with auteur directors, he's he's used really, really well. But then you have like, you know, he worked with Shyamalan, and he's it's the worst. It's like so bad. <laughs> and he works, and his Transformer performance is like, one of whoa, the worst. Yeah. Uh, it's it's easily like I think he is the worst part of the Transformer franchise, and that's saying something because there's a lot of bad parts it's of the Transformers. Just trash. But when he works for me, he works for me, and. For me, Uncharted is one of the best video game movies we've gotten. I think it, it it's fun. I think it's got some eye-rolling type moments. There is some dialogue delivery from a few of the other actors that I think is real bad. But I was, like, having fun with this. And that's what I want from an adventure movie anyways. I think it, it pays enough tribute to the games, especially having played them, where you get that it's the games, but it still feels like its own thing. Like, I don't feel like it's completely reliant on the audience knowing the game to get on board with stuff and Mm -hmm. i've played them but i've only played them once each like i didn't like it's not a game where i went back and beat it a second or third or fourth time i i know the characters but i also don't like i didn't honestly remember chloe from the game and there was another character who was missing from the game i think this particular story is somewhat one of the games but it's not exactly one of the games so it's doing its own thing and i think that's important i feel like that's what sonic did really well is that it didn't just try to give you sonic the movie and it's not super mario brothers where it's like it has nothing to do with the games other than it's super mario brothers right like it's (laughs) not just that this is the the perfect like not perfect in that it's perfect but like it took a video game and it it made it into an actual movie and not trying to be the game it didn't over inflate itself um, and if you like Holland and Wahlberg, I found their chemistry to be fun. It's snappy banter. It's not perfect, it's, especially you've seen Holland work off Robert Downey Jr., which is a much mm-hmm. better chemistry. But I think there's chemistry there between him and, and, and Wahlberg that was entertaining for me. I did roll my eyes a few times for sure. Uh, but at the end of the film, I was like, you know what? I had fun with this. I would watch the second one in a heartbeat. Um, to be honest, too, that's really all I have to say about it. There's not much here. But it's a. F- I had a fun time at a movie. A few of the set pieces I thought were really good. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think one of the set pieces they oversold in the marketing, so it, it doesn't hit as hard as it would have had you not known it was coming. Um, even though it, they do do like a cold open with that same set piece, so it's it's at the very beginning of the film. But I think there's a couple of other things um, in terms of adventure references. You do see like there's Goonies in this. There's a, obviously Indiana Jones, which is Nathan Drake's kind of whole yeah. thing. I think he even says it out loud, like the Indiana Jones thing. Um, and, and there's even some national treasure type moments in this movie. Like, uh, I, I think the weakest part of this film as a, an adventure film and a heist film, essentially, you know, they're, they're planning these big missions are the montages of planning. I think those are terrible. The music's really cheesy during those mm-hmm. the montages. 
And I think like that's <laughs> such a vital part of this genre to like butcher that is bad. Like I don't know what happened. I'm like I'm watching. There's two of them that I can remember where I'm just like, really, this is our montage of him getting ready. This is like terrible. It's him writing in a notebook. Like what is happening? Um, <laughs> like it's any. I think in one of the montages, the character is like sleeping for part of the montage. It's like I get that time has passed, but good lord, do something fun. It's a training montage. Um, but overall, I thought this was fun. I am very curious to hear where you land on this, Matt. I'm guessing you didn't like it, but what what was your take on Uncharted? Well, before I give mine, I, I what, as soon as you said the crit- the critic score was what forty percent and um, four point something on IMDb, I'm guessing you're not agreeing with those low scores. No, I, I do think there's a predilection to hating on video game movies. Um, Again, I don't think this is like a masterpiece. Like, I wouldn't give this much higher. Like, Metascore is a 47. I'd probably put this at like 60, mm-hmm. like, give or take. Uh, like, it's passing, but it's barely passing, you know? Gotcha. Yeah, no, um, no, because I saw those scores and I thought, I, I, I think they're too low. And I think this film's fine. Um, but I, as soon as I saw 40% and 47, I thought, damn, there must be some, there must be an agenda or there must have been people going into this who are either, uh, diehard fa- fans of the games, or like you said, just have a uh, a, a built-in you know d- dislike of video game movies because this isn't a four out of ten film. I don't think this is a particularly wonderful film, but it's not a four out of ten film. Uh, there were lots of good things in it, but my overall feeling of the film was certainly for the first two thirds, it just felt a bit soulless. It felt a bit empty. You, you mentioned, uh, what did you mention, Indiana Jones? You mentioned uh, a National Goonies. Treasure. Uh, the Goonies. I don't know if you mentioned Tomb Raider, but I'd, I'd, I'd love that in as well. Those yeah. films had something, they had something about them. And maybe, well, certainly the first three. Which Tomb Raider? Fun. Uh, ooh, I'm, 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 I'm excluding that from my uh, from this part. But, oh, okay, sorry. But but I guess even the, even the, the Angelina Jolie first one. They had an element of fun, and I, and I know this one tried, but for me, it didn't quite pay off. There was a sense that, you know, there was a sense of adventure. This didn't have that for me. It felt a bit empty. It felt a bit muddled, and it felt a bit off-key. And by that, I mean, it, for me, it, again, somebody who's coming in it from someone who hasn't played the games and wanted to see an action, or sorry, an adventure-slash-action film, it, it felt like it wanted to be a fairly grounded but fun film until we get to the third act when it becomes a full-on video game. Not a video game film, it becomes a video game. Again, we don't do spoilers on this show, but uh, even I'm aware, and it's been, you know, there's a scene in the trailer, fine, even I'm aware that that is a very famous scene, but which I actually yeah. think is done well, actually, that particular one. But um, I, I, think that this, I just think that the film is let down by having Tom Colland in the minute, who is you know, Mr. Money, in the lead role. I just think the script isn't particularly very good for him. I think he's, I don't think he's entirely bad as a young Nathan Drake, but I just, I couldn't get over the fact that this is Tom Holland and this is Mark Wahlberg. I I couldn't quite buy into Tom Holland being this master thief, master charmer, master fighter, which it was a fighty kind of bumbles a lot, but I didn't quite buy into it, and my understanding of the game is that, and I know, and I don't know how disconnected this is, but Nathan Drake is a bit of a badass. You know, this is the kind of guy who 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 beat you up first, maybe think about it second. That's my understanding of the character. Oh, I wouldn't say um, that at all. Um, okay, not, not, what, but that, yeah, 
Well, he, sorry. Or at least he, or, no, that's sorry. Or at least he wouldn't hesitate if needs be. Tom Holland, his character kind of made me think, well, he, he doesn't look like the kind of character who would ever want to get into any kind of combat. Um, but I didn't dislike this film. I didn't dislike the film. Because, but what, because of what I just said, fine. Tom Holland, I think, is good in the film. I think what he's given isn't great, but he is, tr- he is, you know, doing his thing. He's a likable guy. He's a likable character. He's a likable lead. No issues whatsoever with that. Mark Wahlberg, as the listeners to the show, will know I'm not the biggest fan of Mark Wahlberg. There's just something about him that rubs me up the wrong way. Like he, him in Transformers, that's how I just see Mark Wahlberg in reality. But like John said, when he's in the right role, be it a dramatic role or a comedic role, like it's an instant family, for example, can be, can be very, very good. And here I didn't, I didn't hate Mark Wahlberg in this. I think, um, I, but it just felt a bit too Mark Wahlberg for me. It didn't feel like mm. he was imbuing a character who I thought was Sully. It just felt like Mark Wahlberg. I would me. agree with that, uh, quite a bit actually, but yeah. And you've played the so you know more about Sully, but I, I every time he was being called Sully, I was like, no, it's Mark. It's, this is Marky Mark. But, um, I think some of the the big action scenes towards the end of the big the big set pieces. I think one of them certainly looks very decent. Um, I think Antonio Banderas is. I th- I thought he was decent. I liked Antonio Banderas for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. I also think it just felt a bit choppy as well. You know, they go to, they, they kind of glow pop a little bit and you never really get a sense of where you are or, uh, it, it, it could have been shot anywhere and they could have just said, this is here, this is there. Uh, and, and there was a few leaps of logic for me as well in terms and I, what I mean by that is I literally mean you, you characters go to places where, which haven't been discovered for, I don't know, a thousand years, but there's electricity, um, things like that. I thought, how, how does this work? But, that said, I I wasn't bored during this film. There, like you said, there's a few eye rolling moments during it. Where I thought, oh come on, but I wasn't bored. I was never entirely invested in it. There is a there's a, a there's a twist or a, kind of a twist halfway two thirds of the way through, which I saw coming immediately. And I'm right. never the first to spot this stuff. I'm usually the last one, but I I know what's going to happen in this dynamic, and it does, but. I didn't dislike the film. I didn't, I wasn't bored during the film, but I was never kind of fully in. I wasn't, I wasn't ever thinking, Oh, you know, please don't, you know, please don't lose this. Or I hope so-and-so doesn't get beaten up or something. And I was just like, I'll take it or leave it. Let's just see where we get to. And where we got to was, was fine. And it kind of suffers modern blockbuster syndrome a little bit, which can probably elaborate more on in this, in the spoiler episode. But I know I come across fairly negative, but, I didn't dislike this film, but I went into it. I think I said last week, I went into it not entirely anticipating this film. Maybe that's because I haven't got the, the connection to the franchise, but also, you know, Indiana Jones for me is always going to be the greatest action adventure film. That doesn't mean anything else. It doesn't mean nothing else can't try, but in recent years, there haven't been that many great action adventure films for me in this kind of, uh, neat genre uh, exploration adventure and the comic book stigma still scares me somewhat but like you this is this is by far and away nowhere near the worst comic book film it, it's, it's probably up there in the video, top video tier game. comic book uh, video game films hurry there's been a few comic book films you might have heard of them but this is up there in the top tier video game films because it is entirely competent there's nothing particularly yeah. wrong with it it just 
it, it never kind of broke broke out of second gear for me, which is a shame because it had uh, all the potential to do so. But I did, for what it's worth, enjoy it. So I think I'd go with you, John, and give this a, a if I had to a fifty five, you know, five and a half, six out of ten, maybe. I mean, so for me too, like you are, it's it had a, a lot of work to do with you because you don't like Wahlberg that much, and um, <laughs> I, I have to say, Sophia Ali, um, who plays Chloe in the film, I. Yeah. I think when she first shows up, she's really bad. Um, like th- one of her line reads, and this is in the trailer. She says, um, he says, I'm Sully's friend. She's like, Sully doesn't have any friends. I should know. I'm one of them. I think oh, that's one yeah. of the worst line reads like ever. It's so, she just spits it out. There's like, there should be a pause, like the c- correct reading. And I, I know I'm not an actor. I'm not a director, but it, it feels like it should be. Um, Sully doesn't have any friends. I should know. I'm one of them. You have to pause there. Like there's yeah. a pause built into that line. It's still not good. It's not a good pa- line, but the pause is necessary. So it doesn't feel like you're just reading a line, but no, as right. the movie goes on, I, I actually ended up really liking her and I thought she did a really good job. Yeah. I think um, she, I think she's fine in it as well. And on that friends line, I've, I'm pretty sure that there's another line saying, um, something along the lines of, you know, you, you, you can't be Sully's friend or something like, he doesn't have yeah. friends or something like that. It's like, come on. These are just like, it is this kind of like stock lines that someone it just is. found from like this, a kid on the playground at the time. And that's what I mean. I think the script hampers Tom Holland as well somewhat. I don't think he's given an awful lot to chew on, but he does what he can. I think everyone is the same, but I, I think Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg, to be fair, are such good actors or such good professionals that, and Antonio Banderas that they can sell some of these dodgy yeah. lines whereas i mean yeah sophia ali she grows into the film like tom holland to start with i wasn't sold on tom holland in the first 25 20 odd minutes of this film he grew into the role for me but um yeah nobody really gets away with good lines here dude yeah it's it's definitely a flawed overall film but i i don't think it's as bad as as 40 percent no um it's it's fine. I'm glad people are seeing it because I do think it's engaging enough where like, it looks like if it doesn't get a green light for a sequel at 50 million on an opening weekend, I would be very surprised um, because it, it's, it's solid and they definitely want a sequel. Uh, there is a post credit oh, yeah. scene folks. Um, but you know, I, I hope the sequel does. There is a lot of like, uh, you, you know, what's, what's the word? Um, tree tree leather is that a word i don't know they're they're chewing the fat like there's a lot of like we have to establish this connection because they're that's actually a flaw i i'm pretty sure that sully and nate in the game had a backstory that you don't have to see that we just get that they've known each other for a while and that i think is one of the flaws is that sully like recruits nathan in and it's like why didn't he why isn't it they're just already a partnership like i would have bought that they were already partners you know what i'm saying like i don't need an origin story of their relationship. Just like, let's <laughs> jump into this, you know? Um, like Indiana Jones, can you imagine if like Indiana Jones didn't start with one of the best cold opens ever? Like oh, that dude. Raiders of the Lost Ark is like, you just know this guy's the best. You don't that, need like a, an origin story. For this Indiana is unfair Jones. to even compare, but yeah. Indiana Jones reveal when he, when, you know, Harrison Ford, you know, when he comes towards the camera, you're like, is this, this is this the good guy or the, the bad guy? Because either way, he looks yes. seriously cool and see and and rugged, and, and that's and, Nathan Drake. And, yeah, that's what I assumed. Now I knew this was quote unquote young Nathan Drake, so he's kind of building his way up to that. But I think they could have done more for me to establish this iteration as a bit more. I don't want to say hardened because that isn't always right, but 
just somebody who I could believe more in these um, in the situations they find themselves in. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, again, I think that's some. It still comes down to the screenplay. It's not the actors, and I don't think right, it's Fleischer. Right. I, I think it's the screenplay. It's not a terrible screenplay. Again, way worse video game movies. In fact, we reviewed one just a couple of months ago. Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City sure. is trash. Jesus, at now, least this is, this is Oscar bait compared. Right. So, folks, no hate here. There's a little bit of love. No. Um, uh, definitely. Uh, again. It's sad that video game movies have been so bad that the bar <laughs> is so low that we can be like, yeah, even a bad screenplay is still better than a lot of the other ones we've had. But I still think this was mostly fun. Like, I didn't walk out upset. I don't. Th- I never felt bored. I do wonder if maybe knowing the game, because I did see this with my friend David, who's the editor at Burke Reviews. Um, he has uh, also played these games. Like, he actually got me to play these games. And... Um, so we have like an attachment to this. And I think both he and I are again, Wahlberg fans as a comedic mm-hmm. kind of presence, which is his here. It's like, it's swagger banter. Like if this was like a mid nineties movie, this would have, he would have been Bill Murray. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the type of like, the, not, not quality, the dynamic that he's playing, right? Like he's supposed to be like this quick witted. I have a, I have a response for everything you say. And Wahlberg can do that. Not to the level of Bill Murray, obviously, especially he doesn't have the dryness to his. It's very clear when he's being sarcastic or, or snippy, oh, right? So. Uh, Wahlberg has the, like the way he delivers lines, but that's what I like him in the other guys. I like him in Daddy's Home, even though I don't think Daddy's Home 2 is any good. I think Daddy's Home 1, the way he, him and Farrell work off each other is very good. And it's not quite to that level with Holland, but I do think there is that dynamic. And Holland plays off of that well. He's had that relationship, as I pointed out, with Robert Downey Jr. I was going to ask, what did you think of their chemistry? Yeah, I I think it's there. I don't think it's super strong. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially if you've seen their interviews compared to some of the other interviews with Holland. Holland is clearly a lovable person. Like him and Anthony Mackie, the banter they have is like real bitter, but it's always like very, you can see that it's love. Um, Same thing with him and Sebastian Stan. Um, but they've done uh, with with RDJ for sure. But even what, some of my favorite interview series are him and Jake Gyllenhaal from uh, Far From Home. Like <laughs> yeah. they have such love for each other. Like, they, they are just having a blast at the interview stuff. Um, and I, I I think now we're getting to see him with with uh, McGuire and Garfield because now that the, everyone knows that they're all in it, like they've been doing some interviews and stuff, and you can see the love there. Like Holland seems to be a, a, an actor that people just adore in real life. Like people just seem to latch on to this guy and the interviews with Wahlberg and him feel a little more clinical. Like I think Wahlberg is a more of an intense personality. Agreed. That they, 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 they were, they were having their banter about, you know, Mark Wahlberg was, was always kind of, you know, like, uh, you know, trying to toughen Tom yes. Holland up, you know, being the man on set. So I think there was always a bit of that as well. Yes, I agree. And, that, and that's not a bad thing, but it's a different no. type. I almost think Holland's a little bit afraid of him is almost what yes. it sounds like you're saying. Yeah. Um, which I don't get that vibe from a lot of the other things. Like I just saw an interview with him and uh, Gyllenhaal where Gyllenhaal takes apart like the, the microphone and is like wearing like the little like the news symbol on his finger and Holland tries to do it and like shatters the microphone. Like the microphone just falls apart and he's like freaking out. <laughs> like, and <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan of these guys. And so... Um, I, I, yeah, that's, I, I think a big part of what I liked about this movie, though, is I just like them. And so it, mm-hmm. it worked for that. Yep, fair enough, my friend. And yeah, no hate here. It, it, it didn't blow me away, but it was, you know, it was fine. I, I, I didn't dislike yeah. it, wasn't bored by it, but maybe expected a little bit more. That, that works. Um, so, folks, 
that's our review of Uncharted. Matt and I are saying it's a little bit better than than the average critic score is showing, mm-hmm. which is kind of to be expected. Again, no offense. We technically are critics as well. I think we try to be a little more open to the populist films, and sometimes critics are a little yes. more condescending. Um, and this is definitely one of those movies. Just the fact that it's a video game movie is instantly going to give it a knockdown. Like, it is... Um, unless it wows an audience, it's always going to have a little bit of a less appeal. That is just something unfortunate to this paradigm that is film criticism. But uh, we we say check it out, especially if you are a fan of the video games. I don't think you'll be disappointed. There will be things you wish they'd done, but you won't be disappointed like so many other video game movies have done before. Um, well, I agree. That said, let's get into chopped headlines. This is movie or pop culture news that have caught our attention since the last time we recorded. Matt, uh, I just looked at what your headline is and I'm intrigued. What what do you got for us? Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, you kind of touched upon it earlier on, which mm-hmm. was, um, which is pretty handy actually. And it's, uh, this one comes from this story itself comes from IGN, but it originally uh, came from an interview with deadline, but Ryan Leston wrote this for IGN with the last of us HBO max series won't premiere until at least 2023 or at least the HBO series won't premiere till 2023. This was expected to drop, I believe certainly in the fall of 2022, September, November time, but it's been confirmed now by the uh, chief content officer of HBO. Casey Bloys said that it's not going to wear in 2022. They're still shooting in Canada. I imagine you'll see it in 2023. He then went on to say that he's seen some early episodes and he's very, very excited. And it's the writer of Chernobyl, Craig uh, Mazin. He's writing The Last of Us alongside Neil Druckmann and uh, a couple of the guys from Naughty Dog as well. But um, he also went on to say that this isn't, you know, this isn't a new Game of Thrones. It's it's nothing like that. This is this is his own thing. It's going to live up to the game. Um, Pedro Pascal as Joel and Bella Ramsey as Elle are going to crush it. But I'm not going to was talking about crushed. When I heard this news, I was a bit crushed inside because I thought I really want to see this because I really, really, really enjoy and love The Last of Us games. Yeah, both mm-hmm. of them, especially the second one, guys. Yeah, um, the characters, the dynamics between certainly Ellie and Joe, I absolutely adore. Um, and I can't wait to see what they do with this um, series, especially, especially with HBO behind it. HBO funding this with it behind it. I have full faith that this is going to be special. You've got the dude from Chernobyl writing it. You've got Druckmann on board as well to make sure that this doesn't even think about straying off course. They've said that it's going to be faithful to the game, but there's going to be a few surprises there. So it isn't just a retread of the game for those of us who have played it, which is exciting. Um, but I would have really, really liked to have seen this in 2022. I was really excited for this. However, if they are, uh, delaying it to make it even better. A couple of months isn't going to hurt. So I was, you know, quietly down about this, but at the same time, if it, it, we're still getting it. It's not cancelled. We've only got a few months to wait. Still, I'm ex- very, very excited for this. What about you, JB? Where do we, where does your Last of Us love sit? And what are you thinking about this news? Well, I agree with you completely on both games. I'm a huge fan of both games, especially two. But um, yep. I, I, I want this to be great. And Pedro Mm -hmm. Pascal has definitely earned my love. Like the dude, just everything he's done, like TV wise has been gold. Cause he was Mm -hmm. one of my favorite parts of game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, And then I love Mandalorian. And I think he proved how much I love Mandalorian when book of Boba Fett came out because Hey, that's the only (laughs) part of it. I really like, um, so I wasn't even on set for any of it. 
uh, I'm I'm very curious about this Nicolas Cage movie that he's in. Um, oh. the, I can't remember the title because it's like the, the unbearable weight of, um, of celebrity, of fame, something of, like that. I know which one you mean. Uh, I'll find the title. We, we will be un, uncertainly covering that next month because there's not a lot of movies dropping in March, and that's one of them. So we will, w- without question, be covering that movie. The unbearable weight of massive talent. Ah. <laughs> that he looks kind of wild in that film, and I don't I already don't know what I couldn't believe that movie's getting a wide release because Nick Cage movies have not gotten wide releases lately. No, yeah. Um, so it's all all of that is wild, but I am super hyped for The Last of Us. I I am uh, I'm not disappointed for having to wait, um, because time is flying so fast. Like I think it'll be here before we know it, and we'll just be like, oh, it's already been a year. Um, I know we were kind of anticipating it being earlier because it started filming a while ago, but yeah. I think right now, I, I honestly wish media would back off of productions. I think we're getting way too much of this. There's so much content coming out that we don't need 20 articles about the thing that's coming out in a year. Like, there's stuff that's coming out that we're not talking about. There's I so agree. many movies that have dropped that no one's mentioning. Like, stop focusing on things that are coming out a year from now. Like, have one, like, hey, they're starting The Last of Us. Cool. We'll check back in the week it's about to come out so that we can actually watch it. Like, I, I think we do way too much overhyping. We don't need an article every week. Because that's the thing. There's going to be an article every month, like, on the set of The Last of Us. Like, who cares? Like, really, like, let it be made. I don't want to know what they're doing. Because I want to watch the show. Bad, yeah. It is. That's the problem with modern media is that, again, it's the internet has created this like, juggernaut of news where everything is like it's marvel it's yeah. marvel star wars dc uh, tv shows now you can't the the intrigue is almost gone from the spectacle of it because you know set leaks photos uh information gets out so early in in, in production because there's such a such a thirst and want for this stuff in so many circles that it's very hard to go into a project blind almost which is to be fair, yeah. the book of Boba Fett is probably one of the only ones who actually managed to achieve that because yeah. I mean, nobody knew anything going in, and maybe there might have been reasons for that. But I would, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I would like to know as little as possible going forward, other than hey, look, it's been delayed. Yeah, agreed. Um, with that in mind, the movie that I'm talking about with my headline has been a bit obnoxious with the casting because every day <laughs> it's like a new casting of Oppenheimer. But Ooh. instead of talking about Oppenheimer, I'm talking specifically why Cillian Murphy keeps working with Christopher Nolan and, um, and not in a bad way, but like, that's, it's something that I, as a fan of cinema, I love that thing. Cause I, I am a big Christopher Nolan fan. He's a filmmaker who is a populist filmmaker, but I think he's still clearly an auteur. He has a style, a very distinctive voice. And, um, Cillian Murphy has been one of his regulars. He has, he has a handful of people that work with him. Michael Caine being another one. <laughs> um, and Tom Hardy's worked with him a few times. Um, but, Cillian did the whole Batman trilogy. Uh, he then did um, Inception. Obviously, he's like kind of the... He's not technically the antagonist, but he's a major plot point. Is he the MacGuffin, I guess, in, in Inception? Yeah, you could call him that, yeah. I mean, it's closer to that than anything else, I think, because his role is unique, but he's it's important. Um, and then uh, he's obviously in Dunkirk. He's a major yeah. factor as well. Um, and uh, the question was brought up, like, why do you do this? And for me, a big... You know, you and I both, Matt, we are big advocates for theatrical film going, um, but we also like streaming. And Nolan is a very loud voice for theatrical mm-hmm. experience. Like, he is a huge advocate for the old ways. He likes to shoot on film. Um, 
and I think Murphy kind of messes up here, and I will note that in the quote, but there's this is his quote. He was asked basically, why do you keep working with him? And he says, I'll always turn up for Chris, whatever the size of the part. Chris will call me up, and I'm there. Isn't it wonderful that filmmakers are still making challenging, demanding films within the studio system? Shot on film rather than IMAX, question mark. Right. So I, I think he meant digital. <laughs> I think so. Chris because Nolan, Nolan shoots IMAX. on IMAX. Yeah. <laughs> loves it. Like he's, he's literally he's invented cameras. Yeah. Yes. There are cameras now that exist only because of Christopher Nolan because and his desire to them. shoot them. <laughs> well, that, but like to shoot the Dunkirk airplane scenes, that, that camera did not exist. No, they yeah. had to craft it to fit on the aircraft. Um, so, but he continued, I think he's flying the flag. Him, Paul Thomas Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, there's a lot of other ones he could have listed there, but those are the three he listed uh, are fantastic filmmakers making interesting work on a massive scale, um, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Cause he's, I think he must want to work with PTA and, and QT. Cause I don't think he has, uh, um, which is a little shocking. Um, certainly hasn't worked with Quentin Tarantino. Uh, I don't recall him in a PTA film. Yeah. And he would fit into either one of those guys works, I think for, for sure. But he's worked with like Danny Boyle, obviously. I mean, the dude's done some, some great stuff and I, I'm a big silly Murphy fan anyways. Yeah. Um, but I I agree with this, and more importantly, I I do think I think Chris Nolan is the modern day Spielberg. Um, he's a clear auteur, very very boisterous, and somehow managed to trick the studio systems into letting him make indie films at a high budget. It's something that does not happen very often. Um, there's another. Uh, it's not gonna. I'm not gonna pull it right now. But there's another filmmaker who I also think it's kind of miraculous that we get uh, kind of the Wachowskis. I don't know how the Wachowskis keep getting to make movies because most people don't like them (laughs) and and they keep working in the studio system. Like, I mean, technically I guess there was a big gap between Jupiter ascending and the matrix resolution or uh, resurrections. Um, Resolutions is the new year one. (laughs) And, uh, but, but, uh, you know, so many filmmakers have to make the, the big budget movies first. Like the, I'm sorry, the, the, like they have to make the Marvel movie before they get to do the indie film kind of thing that mm-hmm. they want to do where Nolan's making original properties in the studio system. I mean, look at Tenet and look at Dunkirk. Those movies don't get made by other filmmakers. And Nolan came out of nowhere with that. Like granted he did do the Batman, but he did the Batman Batman begins in a way that no one expected a Batman well, movie no, to be. That came off of what memento and things like that, which right. I watched memento in film studies way back when, Yes. And I never, and I never smacked me that, Hey, this guy, this, this is a, this is the kind of guy who could do a Batman film. And uh, I, like I mean, you say, it fits. Yeah. And comparing him to Spielberg is even off because Spielberg has always been more of a populist filmmaker. No one's not making populist movies. He's making like, I mean, they're accessible, but they're also not like inception. Uh, Interstellar the is Interstellar, but it's not, but it's not, it's, it, yeah. is it very watchable? Yes. It a hundred percent is, but it's, it, it also is so much deeper and so weird. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the science uh, behind it and everything else. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I agree with what Murphy's saying here. And I'm glad I, I want other actors to, obviously people want to, because if you look at the cast of Oppenheimer, it is insane. Like he's got, and you know, those all can't be big roles. And insilian has got the big role. And while he's a, a beloved actor to many, he's not a superstar. Like he's not going to pull big numbers into the box office. Not like, um, I guess Tenet didn't either because you, you put John David Washington and, and Robert Pattinson kind of, but not really. He's not that type of draw. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the other names on his list are those big draws. And yet Cillian's the lead in Oppenheimer. He's playing, I at least assume because it's, he's playing the titular character. He's got to be the lead, right? But 
who knows with Nolan, it's for all I know, the guy's going to die in the first five seconds and the rest of the movie will be like, <laughs> what happened afterwards? It, you know, you never know um, with Nolan, but what do you think? Uh, what do you think of that sentiment and what, what he said about Nolan as this kind of like leader of the film industry, essentially, or at least the, the big advocate for the old ways of filmmaking? Um, yeah, I think what he's saying is has has some merit to it. I, I would never disagree with an actor's opinion on why he worked as a director necessarily, because you know, had Cillian Murphy come out and said, "I love working with Chris Nolan because his films always guarantee me a big paycheck," I think well, f- fair enough for being honest. But this, I now I like the what he said here. You know, whether or not we are fully behind Chris Nolan's sentiment that film should only be seen on the biggest screen possible in cinemas as opposed to streaming is irrelevant for what Killian's saying. You know, he's, you know, it's the old fashioned way. He's shooting film on film rather than digital, as he meant to say, you know, he, Chris Nolan's still there for the spectacle. And like you said, more original in terms of his films than most directors nowadays, especially the populist directors or ones who are putting out contemporary films, which aren't based on a, on an existing IP. So the fact that he's doing that, they st- he still draws in a crowd. His films are event films, whether you like the guy or not. A new Chris Nolan film comes with expectation and weights, and now it's it is an event, you know. And that so, I I would imagine Chris Cillian Murphy saying, "Oh, I like working with Chris Nolan because he's a big deal." But the fact that he has yeah specifically drilled down to the fact that he believes he's flying the flag for the film industry alongside PTA and Quentin and that he's doing interesting work on a massive scale. You can't deny that. Again, you might people might not like uh, Tenet. I wasn't a huge fan of Tenet or, or any of his other films. But you cannot deny, like everything John's just said, that the work he's doing is interesting, it's original, and it's, and it, uh, and it's appealing to a wide audience, whilst at the same time still being surprisingly niche and independent at heart which you just don't see very often. And yep. hey, look, I, I like director, uh, actor team-ups anyway. You've got, I mean, yeah. I mean, look at Scorsese and DiCaprio or De Niro, Wes Anderson, Bill Murray, Johnny Depp and Tim Burton are in- inseparable. Uh, I'm sure g- going through history, you could probably find many, many more. John Ford uh, and uh, Wayne as well. Um, there's so many. And I, I'm always here for that. I never get tired of these kind of uh, team-ups. I, I, so... If Cillian Murphy is in every single Chris Nolan film, great. Doesn't because Chris Cillian Murphy always guarantees a good performance. And you mentioned the uh, sort of egregious kind of casting for this. I mean, just for those who don't know, Florence Pugh, Emily Blunt, Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Cillian Murphy. Um, I'm pretty sure there's other huge names in there as well. So it's a big film with a big director about a a big person in term, a big person in terms of his history and physics. So the film itself is going to be um, anticipated, but it's nice to hear from the star of it to say that, you know what? I'm, I'm, I am here for none of that. None of the Rasmataz. I'm here for the director, his vision, his way of filmmaking. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think there is, then that is an art that is sometimes lost upon some directors slash actors. So I think it's yeah. nice to hear. That's how I feel. And that's what, why it was my headline for this week, because I'm, you know, I'm all in. I, I'm excited to see what his next movie is. 
let's move on to media consumption, Matt. These are movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc. Anything that we use to pass the time. Matt, I want to know, sir, what have you been consuming since especially you've been uh, under the weather a little bit? I have. So I've been watching films more than anything. It's I've been under the weather and it's I've been uh, a couple of days out of action entirely. So my plan was to watch um, some streaming, some Stranger Things and some Marvel at the behest of John. But there was a few days where I thought I can't do this. I need to watch. Uh, I need to watch things that either appeal to me as comfort genres or as a comfort film. So two of them f- certainly fall into that bracket. One of them was La La Land. Don't need to say why I watched that because I knew it was going to give me a a shot of something good, and it did. Uh, even though I always cry at the end. Um, and uh, I will save my thoughts for this for the end, but I'll mention it now. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre that dropped on Netflix I watched that I know John did so we can share our thoughts on that shortly but um, uh, I went uh, speaking of Netflix I also hit up Studio Ghibli again for Norsica of the Valley of the Wind that's a huge huge gap on my list is basically Studio so Ghibli good. and I've seen a few now I've you know not many I've seen Spirited Away which I loved I've seen so great. My, neighbor, my Neighbor Totoro which I adore absolutely stunning um, and my little one, she loves Totoro. I've never seen the film, but she loves Totoro. She has a little toy of Totoro on the end of her bed, uh, of which I also have one too. Um, uh, I've now said I've got a couple of other ones over there to watch. I've got Howl's Moving Castle, Princess yes. Mononoke, and Grave of the Fireflies, which I'm watching, which I have great trepidation to finally sit down and watch. But um, North Square of the Valley of the Wind, I really, really, really liked this film. I think it's fun. Yeah. I thought it was great. Uh, the, vo- the voice acting was spectacular. The message within it was really good. And again, the music was wonderful. I've said that about all of them, and the music is special in these films. So, so far, Ghibli is winning me over quite hand- handsomely. Um, and then I thought I'd catch up on some of the films for Movie Astrology, which we'll be covering in our next episode, which will be coming out in the next few weeks, where we're going to talk about the films from 1963. So I watched uh, Tom Jones, not the singer, but the film, uh, the Birds, or rewatch The Birds. I watched Feder- Federico Fellini's uh, Eight and a Half and the Western epic How the West Was Won. So I'll save my thoughts, obviously, for those on until the episode. But there was another four films I managed to watch. But The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I called that a comfort film, not because I think there's anything comforting about Texas or chainsaws or massacres, but... Um, you know the horror genre is, a, is. I always end up going back to that if I'm if I'm feeling down, lonely, or just want something a comfortable cuddle. I always go to a horror film. There's something about those, especially the '80s horror, which is it gets lost in them. This is a this is a legacy sequel based on. Uh, so it's a direct sequel to the events of the '72, '73, '74 Toe Pooper film, um, mm-hmm. which John and myself have both said. I'll say, you know I'll let John say his piece, but we we're not the biggest fan of that film. Um, but I went into this film. It's on Netflix. It's an hour and a half. Why not? And I uh, thought this film was, for the most part, pretty awful. Um, it just felt it felt didn't quite feel as grubby as the original. But they were going for aesthetic. It the, there's one scene on a bus which, admittedly, was very cool, which was clearly the standout of the film, and it was there for it was there to live up to the title of the film. Um, the, the returning characters, I couldn't give a damn about and i think they were wasted uh, and i just think it was a very very strange idea for a film to riding on the success of the david gordon green 
Halloween films that have come out recently, it's very much they've seen those and thought, right, let's just dress this up in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre outfit and hope nobody notices, except this one lacked any kind of nuance or, I would say, uh, I'd say intelligence, that's the wrong word, but that's what I'm going to say of the 2018 David Gordon Green film. I think that exists, it exists in a way that I can understand why they would call themselves a sequel and it's earned its place as a sequel to John Carpenter's original. This doesn't. This isn't even as good as some of the other films in the franchise, which is now wiped out. I think the, I think it's a 2005, six remake. I think even that's better than this because it has something more to it. It feels more connected and that's not even that great to film, but yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, my friend was, it was, it was bloody. It was grimy. It has a, a green and brown filter over the whole thing. Lots of questions unanswered. I didn't expect Shakespeare. I didn't want Shakespeare. I just wanted a good kind of fun, say fun, a good splatter gore horror film. And I got splatter and gore, but I just didn't get a good film. Uh, what about you though, Mike? What did you think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and what else have you been checking out? Um, I, I did watch this. Um, I didn't hate it. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of the Toby Hooper one. And I know that is super controversial. Um, I, it just wasn't, I do need to revisit it because I have really dove into horror in the last couple of years and have found a new appreciation for the genre that I didn't used to have. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if now it will click for me differently. I definitely went in with what I want a horror movie to be when I saw it and it didn't deliver for me. Yeah. It's not a horror, but it is, but you don't get what you'd expect from a film with that title. I didn't find it enjoyable. I found it kind of like, I didn't find the aesthetic of the filmmaking like interesting. I know that's actually a lot of people praise it for its gritty griminess. I just was like, it it felt gross and I didn't like it. It's too dirty. Yeah. Um, This uh, similar, I, I, one of the things I, I don't remember which I've listened to a few podcasts and none of, none of them specifically about this, but also like have talked about this. I think it was uh, NPR's pop culture happy hour um, mm-hmm. discussion of Texas chainsaw that I heard this and they pointed out one of the things that I really kind of was vibing. They have like these characters that are like, like influencers that are like, they bought a town apparently. And then they're like oh. auctioning it off like gentrification. It just feels like they have all these like, things that happen in society, but don't really understand them at the same time. Like they Googled, like what's the most annoying things about influencers or Gen Z or something. And then they just like, and they just brought it all in. Yeah. The guy literally says that to a man with a chainsaw and like, so that (laughs) I think that, yeah. And, but I do want, I think Elsie Fisher is great in this. Um, Yeah. I mean, she doesn't get a lot to do in this and her character is easily one of the most problematic elements because she's a survivor of a school shooting Ooh, for some reason. Yeah, yeah. They kind of forget where they kind of forget what she stands for when the plot calls for it. Yeah, but it doesn't even like it doesn't really play in at all. It's a, like so much of this movie. So many of the 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 things that these characters are about or care about or have experienced really don't matter. Um, if anything, this is like it, this really should be called Leatherface. This movie is more of like because. Not that he's right for killing them, but they all do kind of like poke the bear, right? Like he's like just living his life. He's he's been in hiding, but even like when the I don't know, it's it's not good. Like the no plot itself is likable, and you get no. you, sorry, you get that in horror films, especially in these sure. especially in these eighties throwbacks that nobody's there for the characters. In you know they're 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 meant to be fodder, but. Yes. Nobody really is here. I mean, Sarah Yarkin's character, Melody, I was desperate for her to get her head locked off at some point. Oh, she man. was really bad in this. And I Jacob Lattimore I thought was fine, but yeah. man, I don't know. 
but there's so many things that are dumb. Like even the way they, they react to stuff, there's, there's a lot of like cringe. That's not good. And, um, but at the same time, didn't hate it. Just was like, okay, fine. Um, there's some weird stuff uh, as, as expected. <laughs> and where it tries to like be like the old movie, it doesn't succeed. It doesn't have that real grittiness about the, the disturbing stuff. And then, is it? no, and it's just, it's like, it's fine. It's, it's exactly what, fine is strong it's it's acceptable for a straight to streaming <laughs> horror film like i think that's what it feels like this feels like a dvd sequel and that's kind of what it release is. it in the theaters and then they they had a very quick about they obviously watched him like no but the plan was to release it cinematically i'll give it a theatrical release sorry but they decided against it and i think you know an hour 20 runtime it wouldn't have hurt me, it at the, at the box office but mm. yeah to me the biggest plus if we were because you compared it to the Halloween legacy sequels, I think this is better than Halloween kills, but only because I feel like kills dropped the ball so hard. I think Halloween 2018 was such a solid entry that introduced these really cool concepts that kills just screwed up horribly where I had no expectations of this. Like I couldn't have cared less what happened here and it doesn't, doesn't drop the ball per se, but it also is like, it's not interesting. The story is not compelling. There are some, there's a lot of like gore, like you said, and some of the kills are the first kill. I think is one of the most, like I was like, Oh my God, like it's brutal. And then it just kind of goes downhill from there. Like that was like the highlight of the kills. It was like, that was innovative. I've never seen someone stabbed with their own bone. Oh yes. That one. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That one was, but it's so fast too. It is like, it's like out of nowhere, quick and done and over. And it's forgettable because of that, but it it was fine, but everything around them is not. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, I also watched though, another type of horror movie, the cursed, which is theatrically released. It it was, uh, very compelling, kind of a werewolf movie. Uh, I, I, I liked it. Um, I can definitely see it's a slow burn kind of movie. It's very atmospheric, but I thought it was really cool. Um, I caught Kimmy and Dog. Uh, to, uh, Kimmy is on HBO Max. It is the new Steven Soderbergh film. It's not the movie's not called Kimmy and Dog. I apologize. That probably sounded <laughs> like that's the name of it. Dog is just the name of a movie. It is arguably the worst name of a movie ever. Um, oh. It's too it's too bland, right? But um, Dog is Shannon Tatum. It's also solid. That's theatrical. Uh, I think both of those are entertaining. I'm not going to say much because. We might be talking about one of those films next week. Uh, we haven't decided which yet, so I'm going to hold off on my thoughts until then. Um, but Dog and Kimmy are out now. Um, I had to rewatch Casablanca. I've seen it several times, but we are covering that for Movie Club because Corey's nice. never seen Casablanca. Whoa. So it was a big check for her this week um, as we finish our Sad Sacks Love Stories of February. Um, I'm actually going to be talking about that movie in like three or four hours. So. Uh, but I, I'm a big fan of Casablanca. I've taught it a few times. It's a movie I'm very, very intimately familiar with. Um, that's all the big films that I've watched. Um, but I did listen to my favorite podcast, Blank Check with Griffin and David. Uh, they covered In the Cut, the Jane Campion film that is currently available to watch on Netflix. If you've never seen it, you need to watch it. It is wild. You may not like it. You will <laughs> appreciate the artistry there. Mark Ruffalo is fantastic in that movie. And Meg Ryan, I think, is excellent. Some people don't like her. I don't know why some people uh, targeted at a specific listener. Um, anywho, uh, they also did – they finished their – commentary on the ghostbuster movies and they just did afterlife and i knew i knew they hated afterlife matt and i was very much dreading listening to them bash you, the well. you know i i don't disagree with some of the things they pointed out 
but I still love the movie. So it's just like, okay, guys, I understand that you are right. There is the shameful product placement in that movie is bad, but it's pretty shameful in all major movies now. So I'm kind of just like used to the product placement and I just ignore it. Um, if the criticism is well done, then yeah. then, then I, I, I don't mind listening to it. I'm, why shouldn't yeah. I? But when it's just bashing, I usually turn off. I, I don't think it was as harsh as I was afraid it was going to be, but they definitely didn't like it. Um, but it's okay. Uh, there, you, you don't have to like everything. Um, I mostly agree with them. I don't always agree with them. And this was one in particular I knew I knew in advance that we weren't going to agree on. And it was fine. Um, mm-hmm. We mentioned a short film, though. We mentioned The Long Goodbye. That is the Riz Ahmed Oscar-nominated short film that is available to watch on YouTube, apparently both in the UK and here. I wasn't sure mm-hmm. when I sent you the link if it would work or not. Um, I am a big Riz Ahmed fan. Uh, Sound of Metal was my favorite film of 2020. Um I, I think Riz Ahmed is, is just so talented. Uh, I, I really hope everyone takes a minute to Google Riz Ahmed long goodbye short film. Uh, watch it. It is powerful. It did remind me of blind spotting in some moments. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, also though, I would, I want to ask you real quick. Um, did you ever see blinded by the light? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that movie made me aware of the fact that in the eighties, there were like, neo-nazis in in europe who hated the pakistani immigrants oh yes Uh, yeah i knew nothing about that until blinded by the light and so this movie is about that but it's set what felt like modern day right like i didn't feel like it was a throwback to the 80s um but i wasn't sure um because it is a short so it's really hard to like pinpoint all of what's happening like i don't remember seeing iphones but there is a 24-hour news network on the like on tv but it also i feel like contemporary it's within the last few years yeah is that a problem right now? Like, is there still a lot of like right wing neo Nazis in, in the UK targeting like immigrants, or is he referencing that time period modern? Because it's obviously like, hyperbolic, but yeah, I mean it's it's hyperbolic, but at the same time, it is still it is still an issue. There are st- certainly in the major cities, and again, this isn't for those for those fellow Brits who live in London, Birmingham, maybe Manchester. Now, there's big, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not tarnishing the cities, but in the bigger cities, there are you, or certainly the suburbs of which there are still issues. I mean, I guess you get that across the world, sadly, which is something which needs to be eradicated. But um, yes, it's still there is still that issue, you know, and you'd be foolish to pretend that there isn't. See, so the, that was context that uh, I I actually taught this the other day to my film uh, two kids, and um, the, some of them asked me. I was like, you know what, I'm not sure, but in the short, um, there is a. To, uh, a couple playing like a trivia game on their phone and the answer is blinded by the light and i personally feel like that has to be a reference to not just the movie but to that guy's story because it's based on a true story yes um and maybe contextualizing yes this has been a problem for 40 years or 30 whatever math um and it's still oh, a problem no. um but i i'm not sure but i i just found like too big of a coincidence and uh, as a film academic nothing is accidental in cinema. Like someone put that trivia question, that trivia question could have been anything, but he specifically had blinded by the light as the answer that's said by the characters. And I feel like that has to be. Oh, absolutely. That was intentional. And um, I mean, Riz Ahmed's album was called the long goodbye, wasn't it? So this, yes. is, a, uh, this is obviously directly lifting from that as well. Yep. Um, so I, I really recommend everyone check that short out. I think it's mm. fantastic. It is tough. Uh, we, we kind of, we didn't allude directly to what happens, but it is a tough subject matter. Um, it's even, it's yeah. just stressful as like a family drama at first because everyone's like talking over each other. And I was like, Oh my God, everyone <laughs> stop talking. Um, 
I finished the Peacemaker series, the James Gunn directed, mm-hmm. John Cena led. Uh, the finale was last week. I'm very sad that it was the finale because I love this show. It's one of my favorite shows uh, in recent years. I am wow. definitely, I'm a huge James Gunn fan anyways. Um, I am so, I'm so proud of DC for giving, for breaking their, their habit of the, trying to follow Marvel um, and doing their own thing. Even though I've not loved everything they've done, the stuff that has worked for me has been so great. And a lot of it has been James Gunn attached. And um, the finale has some really cool things in it that I think fans of the DCEU in general will be happy about. Um, I I can't believe the character development that Gunn has written into these characters and that, you know, it's it's the hard R Guardians of the Galaxy that he brought in with the Suicide Squad. It kind of continues here. It's it's just great. Um, I can't wait for season two. And I am I am on board with whatever James Gunn makes. I just think it's it's great again it's violent it's vulgar it is not for everyone it is not family friendly comic book <laughs> content but if you are okay with that stuff it's excellent and uh I, I feel like everyone who i know who's seen it is on the same page as me it's just such a great show it's so wild it's insane a lot of it is so insane but man is it a, is a ride uh worth yeah. taking everyone um, i've then, seen heard seems to enjoy it dude so um i look forward yeah. to one day seeing it <laughs> um I know it's a downside HBO max. If you don't have access, uh, it stinks, but hopefully soon, mm-hmm. um, UK. Uh, but, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this show, Matt, but one of my, uh, my old students who is now a coworker, um, and friend, uh, had recommended the show letter Kenny. What's one word. Um, uh, I want to say I have, but I'm not so, entirely sure. I have. So the, someone else told me the best way to describe the show is basically it's live action King of the Hill in Canada. So if you ever saw Mike Judge's King of the Hill, uh, yep. you know, with um, Hank Hill and all that, yep. uh, Letterkenny is that. Um, it, the show's even open with, like, a cold open of three guys sitting in front of a produce stand talking just about, like, whatever recent things they've gone through. They're drinking a beer very much, you know, um, and they are, they call themselves hicks. And they're, like, there's the hockey players, there's the skids, which are, like, the goth emo slash meth users at, at some point. And... <laughs> It's not a sketch show, but they, the episodes are very situational comedies. Um, they're like 20 minute, real quick, easy to digest. I've been watching it on Hulu. I'm, I got through season one. The finale is fantastic. That's the other thing. It's got almost a BBC kind of like setup where there's like six episodes a season. So like, it's real short, um, easy watches. Like you can just kind of burn through it. Um, I think they're there again, it's a little vulgar. Uh, they, there's some of the conversations are real out there, but man, it's so funny. It's actually kind of progressive in some interesting ways it's it subverts expectations every chance it gets that's the beauty of it it's dumb comedy like there's fart jokes and things like that but there's a lot of intelligence and empathy built around the characters that you don't see on other shows um lots of recurring gags and stuff like that it's it's super fun um i'm only on like season two but i've had such a blast so far i think there's like six seasons and then hulu has an animated series called i think little kenny or something like that um, and it's, uh, it's not kid friendly, but they're selling it as though it is kid friendly. It's like younger <laughs> versions of the characters. Like, I think it's supposed to be like an educational cartoon, but it's not for kids. It is for adult fans. I haven't seen any of that yet, but that's on my radar for like, after I finish the regular season. So if you haven't seen letter Kenny recommend, and lastly to knock this out, I bought dying light two on the Xbox and have been obsessed with this game. It has stopped me from watching movies because I'm like, well, I kind of want to just do parkour and kill zombies. Like that's what the game is and it's so stupid fun and they added a bunch of features from the first game um 
it's so much more expansive. Uh, the world is j- massive and it's, uh, it's just fun. I'm having a blast playing it. The story is interesting. Um, I, I do, I have a, I'm a sucker for a zombie game. Um, anyways, especially a zombie game that isn't like, like Resident Evil is great, but they stress me out. Like, cause if you die or if you don't pick something up, you, or if you use too much ammo, you're just dead. This is not that type of game. Like you are going to find plenty of weapons. This is a hack and slash run around, jump over things type of zombie game. Sometimes you'll be, you're going to die, but you're not punished when you die. It's kind of like, well, you shouldn't have done that. Here you go. Checkpoint. Um, and those are my type of games. Cause I, I don't want to be so stressed out that I don't want to play it. But I also, I do want it to be challenging, and that's what this game does for me, and I, I'm just having a blast playing it. Sweet. I would like, it sounds like a game I'd very much enjoy. And the last game that you really um, peer pressured me into playing, Until Dawn, I think it was. I had yes. such good fun with that game. So, oh, um, man, yeah. I mean, maybe I'll check this one out as well. Yeah, if you, uh, you know, my friend convinced me to buy this right away. Like, usually I don't buy uh games that are story-based right away because it's like big money there is a multiplayer component to this which i have not used yet um and it's like a co- cooperative multiplayer kind of thing but um these these are the type of games that really hook me so he uh, he's like hey you gotta slow down i'm like hey you gotta play because i'm gonna be keep playing this i'm having a blast <laughs> um but uh that's what we've been consuming there's a lot of stuff sorry we went a little long on that but let's get to how after week after week we are staying at peak operating levels, how we are staying bloody awesome. Matt, you've had a rough week. How have you managed to stay bloody awesome? <laughs> stay bloody awesome by getting COVID, which uh, isn't isn't exactly how it should be. But um, no, but yes, I have had. Yeah, that's well, that is why I've been bedridden, literally bedridden. Man, this weekend was rough. I put it online that it's no, this isn't kidding around, and god damn, it isn't. It was. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but um, it gave me time to watch films. But there, but there were times when I thought I can't even muster the energy to get up, let alone lift my arm to turn the television on and stick on Netflix or something. That's how bad it was. But um, I'm staying bloody awesome by not having it anymore that, I, that I'm aware of anyway, um, or certainly not um, exhibiting symptoms of it. So I'm able now to come out of the other end with a greater appreciation for, I wouldn't say life, because that is taking it a bit too far. But man, I, if if I wasn't wearing a mask and sanitising before, which I was, I certainly will be doing it now because I don't fancy getting that again. But um, yeah, but simply by doing, simply by isolating, drinking an awful lot, sleeping an awful lot and eventually being able to find the uh, effort sorry to watch stuff i've managed to come out the other side my friend and here at the at the light at the end of the tunnel was the bloody awesome movie podcast so as it were so um (laughs) yeah it literally was because they say i had something to work towards and now i'm at a point now where i think well at least feel good anyway i certainly feel a lot better and sound a lot better than i did in the last day or two so it's all culminated in this uh, chat on the band which i'm very grateful for but that's how i've been staying bloody awesome john by getting ill and then not being ill again but what about you surely yours is a lot more fun and a lot less um stressful oh yes indeed uh mine is dental plan um, oh. so uh i for most of my life until i think um 20 maybe 15 um I did not go to the dentist. I, I, my mom was a bartender and a receptionist at one point, but never had, we never had health insurance or dental when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So like if, if we got sick, we just hoped it wasn't serious enough for the hospital because we did not have the money. Um, and so I had some teeth problems and, uh, in 2015, I finally was like, I got to get these fixed. Cause I've been in pain all the time. And I had to have nine teeth taken out of my head. 
Um, four of those being wisdom teeth, right? So uh, a couple of months, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I started having this weird, what essentially is a phantom pain where my right back wisdom tooth was. I don't have it there. There's nothing there, but it was like severe pain. And um, right before COVID, I had gotten two fillings, but I've not been to the dentist since COVID because COVID, right? Like of all the places where you're not supposed to breathe on someone, it feels like the dentist's office is like the worst because like your mouth is wide open. And so I've avoided it. Um, And I finally was like, I need to see a dentist. Uh, It's been too long. And so I went in yesterday. Both of my fillings that I got before COVID have cracked. So they had to chip those out. One of them, the the root's gotten so bad, I have to have a root canal now. And uh, I'm a little bit afraid, but in a a month, I have to, I'm going to have a root canal. The other filling will be put back in. Um, I don't know how I cracked them. He he said I might clench my teeth, but I don't know if that's true. I guess it is. Um, But it's a whole thing. Dentist. Uh, here in the States, folks, uh, listeners for in our UK audience, uh, we don't have f- built-in insurance. Um, my insurance is only going to pay like one-fourth of the cost, uh, despite me having paid premiums for years, including two years at the very least that I haven't used because I haven't been going to the dentist because of COVID. Um, Madness. It's it's crazy uh, when you think about it, especially because like, I forgot that that's only a thing here because I sent it to you and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that you have to do that. And I'm like, I forgot uh, you don't. <laughs> I mean, we have to. I mean, over here, not all of the not all of the dental plans are free over here. I mean, you can get them on the NHS. Some you do have to pay for, but nowhere near the levels that you guys do. And that and that's just a dental app before we even get into healthcare. Yeah, uh, that's it, a whole. It, other thing. I, I can't. And I, it, maybe maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm missing something. But I just don't get it. I don't get it. Luckily for me, I have spring break, uh, and that was when they were able to schedule me. So I get, I'm off that whole week and I'm getting it on Monday. So even if I'm in like severe pain for days, uh, you know, they're saying it's not, I am, I am so afraid of the dentist because I spent most of my life not going that it's still like taking x-rays. I found out a while ago when I first went to the dentist that, um, I have a very bad gag reflex. Like the second something's in the back of my mouth, I am about to throw up I feel so bad for the people who have to take my x-rays. The last lady at this particular office uh, apparently conditioned me to stop because I had to get some x-rays done yesterday. And I was like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. And I have, she, she taught me that apparently stuck one x-ray to breathe a different way than I would normally breathe. And it helps me calm down and I don't gag. Um, Or at least it's under control. Like I'm not, I feel like I'm going to, but it doesn't happen. And, uh, so I, and I've already, I had the fillings done. Um, I paid extra when I had the fillings done to like be like on the gas so that I was like high essentially because <laughs> I was so like in my own head, I, I am afraid I'm going to like, like react to the pain and like jerk <laughs> my head away or something, which I almost did yesterday. So I am a little bit afraid. Um, and that was just him like poking at it to see if it was bad. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Stop doing that. It hurts like hell. But um, oh, I hate a dentist as well. Yeah. It's, I'm very not okay with it, but I am, I've suffered through other pains. So I'm just, I, I think I can go to my happy place. Uh, this particular office, they have like a TV set up so I can put Netflix on while they're working on me and just like ho- hopefully zone out into a movie. I might make them put on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Cause I'll be like, this is what you're doing to me. Um, but who knows? Uh, we'll see. It's a month away. So who knows what Netflix might have added or dropped since then. But that's it. That's how I've been saying Bloody Awesome is going to the dentist because it's important, folks. Uh, gums lead to heart disease, oddly enough. There's all sorts of problems that can happen with your gums. Take care of your teeth. It sucks if you don't. Damn, now I feel like I should go to the dentist as well after hearing that. Uh, that said, we will be back next week either talking about Dog or Kimmy 
or if we're lucky, the one that I would kind of want to talk about the most, um, because I'm a big fan of these type of movies, but it's Studio 666, <laughs> the Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters, uh, like horror comedy. Love horror comedies. I'm really hoping this is going to have Tenacious D uh, Pick of Destiny vibes. I, it may not, but I really wanted to. I can't wait to see it. Somehow my theater is getting it. I can't believe it. But um, Matt's not sure if he's going to have access to seeing it just yet. So we'll see what happens. But one of those three movies will be our, our episode for next week. Uh, Kimmy's on HBO Max here in the States. Matt said it's available to rent or something. In it's the available UK. to rent for a small fee, yep. Yeah. So it is accessible uh, to one of those movies. And Kimmy is K-I-M-I, the new Steven Soderbergh film. But in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. On Instagram, we are Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And Matt, Twitter? Uh, We are at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And if you're so old school, rocking the old Facebook, you can check out Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Just search it and you'll find us. Uh, Individually, you can find me at BurkeReviews.com and at Burke reviews on all social media platforms and Matt. Uh, what I watch tonight.co.uk and what I watch tonight across all the socials and letterboxed. And if you like what we're doing here at the bloody awesome movie podcast, we really would love for you to give us the five star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use. It does help other people find the show. It is the easiest way to support something you enjoy. Um, with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies and Stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bl